You guys sound good this morning. What a great way to start the day off. Very powerful. Um, I know that Memorial Day is a day uh, to remember uh, the, those who have, have lost their life, but I do want to take a moment and just ask if there are those here this morning that are currently serving or have served in the military, um, armed forces, uh, law enforcement, uh, rescue, what, whatever, the, whatever the case may be. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll get that. Yep. Um, if you would... Thank you, guys. We're gonna, um, I'm going to ask uh, that we pray uh, together uh, for those who, uh, who, who have lost their life. And, and I also want to take a moment and pray. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of the, the state trooper who lost his life this past week in Richmond in the line of duty. And so we want to take a moment and just pray, uh, pray for them as well. Father God, we just uh, come before you uh, this morning as we have uh, just take a moment and... and um, First, we just want to thank you, God, for your grace and mercy. We thank you for uh, brave men and women who uh, serve this country, who um, risk their lives um, all all the time, God, and and, and go through so much, so much, and see so much that we can't even, you know, we can't imagine what what they go through, Uh, not, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally. And, Father, I just want to, to take a moment and remember uh, and celebrate those who have uh, lost their life. Um, God, who paid the ultimate uh, sacrifice in, 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 in uh, serving this country. And so, God, we just remember them and we celebrate them. We pray for their families. We ask your blessing on them. And, Father, as we have sang this morning, uh, we just... Uh, we thank you for your son, Jesus, because of his sacrifice on the cross uh, to die for all the sins of the world. Uh, God, we, we know that this, our hope, as we sang this morning, our hope is not in this world. Our home is not in this world. So, Father, we thank you for that hope, and, and may it be an anchor to us, God, as we, as we move forward and go about our, our day-to-day things. God, may we be constantly reminded about that. So, Father, we just uh, we thank you again. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to the New Testament book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter. First Peter is where we're going to be today. 1 Peter, chapter 2. We were there just a couple of weeks ago. We're going to be in verses 4 through 11. 1 Peter's in the New Testament. If you don't know where 1 Peter is, just go all the way to the back and start flipping this way, and you will eventually get to 1 Peter. You can also use your concordance in the front of your Bible, or if you have a mobile device, it should be uh, fairly easy to find. If you don't have a Bible, that's all right. The words will be on the screen for you. You can follow along there. That'd be great. So this past week, I was looking up the word persistent, persistent, and uh, what it means is, is continuing firmly in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition, 
right, to continue to exist or endure over a prolonged period, right? So, so I, I looked up some examples on the internet of persistence, and, and you may know about some of these, but I thought they were interesting. I've heard some of these before, but I don't know if you know or not, but Henry Ford, uh, his early businesses failed and left him broke five times before he found the Ford Motor Company. Did you know that? A lot of you probably did, right? Uh, did you know that Walt Disney, I didn't know this, Walt Disney went bankrupt after failing several businesses. He was even fired from a newspaper for lacking imagination. Walt Disney. I know, isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Albert Einstein was thought to be mentally handicapped before changing the face of modern physics and winning the Nobel Prize. That's pretty amazing. Dr. Seuss, uh, his first book was rejected by 27 publishers. 27 publishers before uh, it was accepted. And then, and then uh, Michael Jordan, I don't know if you are a sports fan or not, but Michael Jordan uh, is, is probably one of the, the greatest NBA players to ever play the game, was actually cut from his high school basketball team and said he wasn't good enough to play. <laughs> right? That, that's persistence, right, to keep going. And then one of my all-time favorites uh, is from the Apostle Paul. Uh, Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he writes these words in Philippians 3.14. He says, I press on, right? I press on towards the goal. I am persistent. I keep going for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so the common theme in all those stories is persistence. They stayed the course in spite of difficulties, in spite of struggles and setbacks. And so what I want to do this morning is that as we wrap up this series on Grow, uh, that, that's what I want to encourage you with, is that, um, that we are persistent in our spiritual growth. So over the last three weeks, we've been talking about growing in our faith. And at times, it may feel very frustrating, doesn't it? At times, we may be discouraged. At times, we may feel like, man, I'm not making any progress in this, right? I'm struggling. Uh, and we've talked about that, that spiritual growth, there's not a silver bullet, right? It's not one of those things, right, that just happens it's, it's a lifelong process, and we have to be persistent. We have to stay the course, right? It's about moving forward, making forward progress. It's about persistent growth, right? And so from our passage today in 1 Peter, what I want to do is I want to share two things that I think will help us as we move forward and we are persistent in our growth. And those two things are identity and activity. Identity and activity, who we are as Christians. Now listen to me, identity is very important because as I've said before, if you've been here for very long, I've, I've said that your identity determines your activity, right? Your, your being, who you are, determines your doing, right? Your activity, your identity determines your activity. Um, and so as we move forward in this passage, those are the two things that I want to point out that are going to help us be persistent in our spiritual growth. Okay, so you guys ready? All right, I'm excited about today. I really am. As I was studying through this passage, and uh, it's almost going to be like a, uh, it's kind of different for, for me than what I'm used to. I'm actually going to be kind of doing expository preaching. You guys know what that is? We're going to be kind of doing verse by verse. All right? Are you excited about that? You don't sound convincing. <laughs> it's going to be good, I promise. Well, I shouldn't say that, because you may leave here and say, that wasn't very good. But that's all right. But listen, we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit just continues to move in this place and uh, just 
just that God would capture our hearts, you know what I mean, to how, how beautiful Jesus is and just how much we need him. So let's, so let's read this, 1 Peter 2, uh, 4, starting at verse 4, and I'm going to stop uh, here and, and we'll kind of talk about some things. So it says, as, this is Peter writing, he says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scriptures, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. So, so let's stop there for a second. Let me explain what this living stone is, okay? Jesus is the living stone. And so Peter is quoting from an Old Testament passage, okay, in the book of Psalms. It's one of the, the longest books in the Bible. If you open up in the middle of your Bible, you'll probably hit Psalms. But Psalms 118.22, it says, The stone the builders rejected became the cornerstone. Now, what's interesting about that verse is, is that that word rejected, that verb, indicates that the builders who were building this building actually considered the stone, they examined the stone, but after a while, they, they kind of rejected it and deemed it not worthy of being in the building. And so what the implication to that is, is that when Jesus Christ arrives on the scene, when he comes to earth in the flesh, it was a period of time when the Jews were being oppressed by the Roman government. And they knew that the Old Testament, they, they, they knew the scriptures very well, and they knew that the Old Testament spoke of a Messiah that was going to come and was going to rescue them, but they thought in their minds that he was going to rescue them from the Roman government, right, from, from being oppressed. And so when Jesus comes onto the scene, uh, they, they were expecting Jesus to draw swords and ride a horse and fight for them and go to war, and, uh, and, and they were looking for Jesus to defeat their physical enemy, not realizing that Jesus actually came to defeat their greatest enemy, which is Satan and sin. And so they rejected the stone, Jesus. They rejected him. And so Peter is saying that Jesus is this living stone. He's the rock. He's the foundation on which you need to build your life on. All right, so in Matthew's gospel, which is the very first book of the New Testament, Matthew uh, chapter 16, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples, and he asks them the question. He says, who do people say that I am? And, and they give him a few answers. They say, well, some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say you're Elijah. Some people say you're, you're one of those prophets. And then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, the, the same guy who writes this book that we're in, responds and says, you are the Christ the Son of the living God, and Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon this rock, Jesus is the rock, the gospel, the good news that, that, that Jesus has rescued us and redeemed us from our sins. That's what the rock is. And so Peter says, as you Christians, as you Christians come to him, as you draw to him, a living stone. You yourselves are like living stones, and you are being built up 
as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood with Jesus as our foundation, right? We are the church being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. That's just a beautiful thing right there. And the Apostle Paul, he, he would say it like this in the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. I think we have that on the screen as well. Is that correct? We have that? Is that it? There we go. Okay. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens. And in, the, in other words, what he's saying is you're no longer uh, separated from God, but because of Jesus Christ, you've been brought near. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, the rock, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are being built together in a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Isn't that just a beautiful picture of the church, right? We are all living stones. We are being built together as a priesthood, right, on the foundation of Jesus Christ. But Peter continues, if you look down in verse 9, uh, with this identity language. And I want you to hear what he says, right? Because he, he begins to pour it on thick. He says, you, Christians, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for his own possession. You have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let me pause for a second and, uh, and just throw this little nugget of goodness in there, okay? If you were here with us in our Pursued series a few months back when we studied through Hosea, remember that? Do you, if you were here, do you remember uh, Hosea and Gomer had three kids? Do you remember what their names were? Not my people and no mercy. What does, Peter, what does Peter say here? He says, once you were not a people, right, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Isn't that good? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> that excites me. I don't know. I don't know. Like, you guys don't seem too excited about that. I, that, that just gets, I get all giddy about stuff like that. Okay. And so the audience, now here's the thing, right? So the audience in Peter's day would have heard this identity language. They would, have, they would have heard these words, and they would have been absolutely in awe and in amazement because what Peter is doing is he is conveying to them the privileges that belong to God's people, right? And the way that he does this is he uses a number of Old Testament allusions, right? He, so he uses these metaphors, and this is what he says, like a spiritual house, right? He says, you are a spiritual house, and that refers in the Old Testament to the temple or the tabernacle. Now, if you're not familiar with that, that's okay, right? You can go back to the Old Testament and read through the book of Leviticus. It's a great book, right? You'll probably fall asleep through it, but it's a great book. And there, God instructed the Israelites, his chosen people, to build a temple. And that temple was divided into sections, and one of those sections was called the Holy of Holies. No one could enter the Holy of Holies except for the priests, Right? They, they were the ones who God set apart and said, you're the only ones that can enter into this place. Right? So the Holy of Holies was this place where God would come down and he would dwell among his people because, again, man, we are sinners. 
right? We are with sin, and God is holy. He is perfect. He is righteous. He is without sin. And so at the very beginning in the book of Genesis, right, it says God created us, and it says God dwelled among them. He walked with them in the garden, but sin separated them from God. And so God says, build me a temple, holy of holies. Only the priest can go in, and I will come down, and I will dwell with my people. And so the Holy of Holies was a place where the priest would enter in once a year and he would offer animal sacrifices for the penalty, for the payment of the people's sins. Right? So, so you move on. He says you are a chosen race. What he's saying there is, is no longer is it just confined to Israel or the Jews, but now it encompasses all of God's people, Jew, Gentile, and everyone in between. There is no distinction of race or ethnic group. He goes on, he says, you're a royal priesthood. He combines royalty, uh, a king who was appointed by God in the Old Testament, and oftentimes they would, they would, uh, God would send his spirit upon the king to do a special task. And so he combines a royal priesthood, a king and a priest who was set apart. All right, a holy nation. Again, no longer is it just Jews, but, but, the Jew, but, but now it's a church right, that, that is set apart for the Lord, and we are able to enjoy his presence and favor. And so Peter is telling them, this is who you are. This is identity language. He's like, this is, this is who you are as a Christian. Uh, you are a child of God. And so why is Peter so bent on drilling this identity into their hearts, right? Why, why, why are we living stones? Why are we a chosen race? Why are we a royal priesthood? Why are we a holy nation? Why are we a people for his own possession? And listen to me, this is the question, this is the kind of question that the Bible loves to answer. Because this, this right here is why you and I exist. This is our purpose. This is what we were created for. This is our reason for being. This is our identity. And Peter answers those questions in verse 9 with one word. He says that. That's probably one of the most important words in that verse. He says, so that, right? You are all these things so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. Or you could say it this way, and if you have been here for very long, I pray that you know this. We exist to make much of Jesus. That's what we're created for. That's our purpose. That's what we are here for. This is our identity. In everyday life, in in our workplace, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our conversations, right? We, We proclaim the excellencies in word and in deed. We talk the talk and we walk the walk. Right? We exist not to, not to call attention to ourselves. It's not about us. We are not the point of creation. God did not create us and said, you are the point. Right? We are not the point. But we exist to make much of, to make known the excellences of him. This is why we are called out of darkness. It's the same idea that we've been talking about over the last three weeks when we said that we have been born again. That, that word born again and being called out of is the same thing, right? It's the same way that we became a chosen race and a royal priesthood and a holy nation. Because in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, 
Peter says this. He says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Right? So, so we've been born again. We have been called out of darkness into light. We are a new creation in Christ. This is our identity. This is who you are. So the Apostle Paul, he says, he says it like this in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Right? You, you were separated from God. We were lost. We were living on our own. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, he made us alive. He made us a new creation. He called us out. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation set apart together with Christ. And this is so, so important, church. Listen to me. This is so important for us to remember. We have to be persistent in remembering this because it's very easy for us to forget our identity, isn't it? Listen, we can leave here today and we can be so confident. Man, yeah, I'm a child of God. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy. Absolutely. This is who we are as Christians. And then tomorrow morning we wake up and go to work, man. We kind of set that identity to the side, and we, we put our identity in other things, don't we? It gets wrapped up in our performance and the need to please others or material things, possessions, relationships, appearances, whatever it is. And what ends up happening is we stay confused about who we are. The culture says, you, the culture says this is who you are. And God says, no, 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 no. This is, this is who you are. This is your identity. This is what you were created for. And so when we begin to put our identity in other things, it robs us of our joy. Right? And, and, and it, it's not what we were created for. So this is who we are. This is our identity. Now, Peter moves from that then. This is, this is who you are. Now, this is your activity. This is your doing. Okay? So he says, he moves on. He says, beloved. Right? And that, and that word actually could be Therefore, right? Uh, therefore, what he's saying is, is in light of this, in light of your identity and who you are, what God has done for you through Jesus Christ, he says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. In other words, this world is not your home. He says, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Now, listen to me. This right here is an imperative. It's a command. Peter says, beloved. I urge you, abstain from the passions of the flesh. It's not like, hey, guys, if you feel like it, you know, if, if it comes across, if you think about it, yeah, th- this is something you can do if you want. No, no, Peter says, this is who you are. Now do this. And we have to be careful here because there are two extremes there are two extremes that we can fall into, and it's interesting because as I was finishing up my sermon on Friday morning, uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine, and we had this very conversation because he's dealing with some of this in his own church. And I was like, man, this is, this is so prevalent everywhere. There's, there's two extremes, okay? The first extreme is uh, people who think, well, if I'm already a new creation, if I am born again, if we are secure in Christ, then these commands that we see throughout the Bible to abstain, they, they really don't apply, right? 
Right? If, if, and if people do suggest that they, that they do apply, then, then they're just being legalistic. Right? They're just trying to put extra burdens on us. And they'll say things like, it's not about following rules. Right? And then they're right. It's not about following rules. But their thinking is, is because God has forgiven me, because I am a new creation, then I'm kind of free to do whatever I want to, right? That's kind of the thinking. They take advantage of God's grace. Right? Their thinking is that holiness is negotiable. So what ends up happening is, is these people are very passive about their sin. It's kind of just, yeah, yeah, I'm going to fall short, so what? You know, I'm, I'm, they're very passive. And they just believe a half gospel is the problem. Because judgment has fallen on Jesus for our sin. We are free, right? The Bible says that if, you are, if, if, if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. But not as we might think, right? Because God's forgiveness does free us from judgment. We've talked about that, justification. Justified, never done it. But not from obedience. Not from obedience. You see, the good news of the gospel tells us that we are not bound to rules, but we are bound to Christ. See, the Apostle Paul would say it this way in Galatians 2.20. He says, he says, we have been crucified with Christ, and he now lives in us. And so that's the good news of the gospel. The other extreme believes that, if we, that we somehow have to, to earn God's favor, right, that that, that sure, we, we've been uh, created, we've, we're a new creation, but now I've got to, to continue to earn God's favor. And so what they began to think is, is that, um, uh, that I've got to live a certain way, that I've got to constantly try to follow the rules, and when they fall short, they live defeated because uh, they beat themselves up and they begin to wonder if, if I'm actually saved or not. You know, they think I can fall in and out of salvation. And so they're constantly just living in frustration. And what ends up happening, we talked a little bit about this last week, is we end up substituting Jesus' perfect performance for our imperfect performance, which is always going to fail. Right, we talked about this last week. We talked about how when, when we come to Christ, we are given Jesus' righteousness. It is given to us. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see you, the sinner. He sees Jesus in his perfect life. But for whatever reason, we think that as we go on this journey of sanctification, as we go on this journey of discipleship and growing in our faith, that we somehow have to take off that righteousness and try to live on our own righteousness. That we have to earn salvation and Jesus is like no 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 you rest in my perfectness see the good news of the gospel reminds us that our approval before God rests not on our performance but in the performance of Jesus in his perfect life death and resurrection you don't have to impress God because Jesus has already impressed him for you isn't that good news right so you see how it frees you up like like you don't have to, you don't have to, yes, be persistent. You want to be persistent. You want to grow. You don't want to be passive about sin. But, man, you don't have to beat yourself up wondering if you've lost your salvation or not, right? You rest in the gospel. That's the good news, right? And so what happens is, is we obey not to receive love, but because we already have received his love, and his love is what compels us then to obey. Do you see the difference? Do you see the, the idea there? 
Listen, that's the gospel. And this is very important, right? Because, listen, he says, when you abstain from, from passions of the flesh, you're not making yourself God's own possession, but rather you are showing that you already are God's chosen possession. Identity, determine, identity determines activity. So how do these passions of the flesh wage war against your soul? How are they trying to destroy you? Well, if you remember, we just talked about, right, what were we created for? We were created for to make much of Jesus, to proclaim his excellencies. And so what happens is we've been called out of darkness into marvelous light. And so the passions of the flesh would be anything that would cause you to stop marveling in the light. I mean, we could sit here and we could spend all day listing one thing after another, right? We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. But what we need to understand is that those passions of the flesh begin to dim the light of Christ in our life, right? If we continue in those passions, if we continue going down that path, if we continue to give in to those things, and we're not serious about spiritual growth, and we're not persistent, and we're not, uh, we're not wanting to kill the sin in our life, then what happens is, is we just keep going down that path, and that light, that, that, that gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And what happens is, is they are stripping you of the capacity to do the very thing that you and I were created for. Because you're not making much of Jesus anymore, are you? You're making much of you. And that's selfishness, that's pride, that's arrogance. We've got to repent of that, right? So how do we abstain? That's, that's what we've got to ask the question. How do we abstain from the passions of the flesh? How can we be persistent in our spiritual growth? Well, I'm so glad you asked that question. Because I'm going to tell you. The Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians, you can write this down if you want, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against, they wage war, the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, right? So imagine the Spirit is doing battle with your flesh, right? So you know, you, you have these, 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 these conversations in your mind. You're like, man, I know I shouldn't do this, Right? And so you've got this battle that's going on inside of you, like, do I do this? You know, there's so many examples, right? In the Old Testament, God told Cain right before he kills Abel, he says, Cain, you better watch out because sin is at your door, and it's crouching. It's, it's there. It's like, it's like a lion that's ready to pounce on you, right? And so, so this is what Paul is saying. He says that they're, they're doing battle. He says, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 talks about this battle. He says, I know what I ought to do, but man, sometimes I, I do what I don't want to do. He's talking about this battle. And then at the end of this, this dialogue that he has, he says, man, who's going to rescue me from this, this craziness? He says, thanks be to God, Jesus Christ has rescued us. And so the reason that why we can be called, listen to me, this is so important. The reason why we can be called a royal priesthood a holy nation, a chosen race, is because Jesus Christ is our high priest. He came 
And once and for all, he died as a sacrifice for all of our sins. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was, dead, he was killed, he was dead, he was buried, and he resurrected. And every single person that is born again, every single person that has been called out of darkness into light, listen to me, you receive the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God lives in you. This is so beautiful because, listen, remember at the beginning, God dwelled with the people. He walked among them, but sin separated them. He says, okay, build a house, and I'll come, and I'll dwell in the house, but, but I can't. Only the priest can come in. And then Jesus comes onto the scene, right? And, and John describes him. It says he, 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 he dwelled among us, didn't he? In the, in the flesh, Jesus, God, dwelled among us. And he paid the penalty for our sin. And get this, man, now... Now it's no longer does God come and dwell in a house, but now God dwells in you. You are a spiritual house. You are being built up. The church, the Spirit of God lives in us. We are living stones, and Christ is our foundation. Man, that excites me. Does that excite you? Amen. So how do we abstain, right? Well, the Spirit of God is living in us, and we want the Spirit of God to fill us every single day. How do we fill ourselves with the Spirit of God? The Word of God. Listen to me. This is, this is God-breathed scriptures right here. The more you are in the Word of God, the more you soak this up, the more you saturate yourself in the Word of God, the more the passions of the flesh will be defeated. That's... You know, and that's, I know it's hard, but that, that's, that's it. And then I brought those How to Study the Bible pages over again that I, that I introduced to you guys a, a few weeks ago. Um, I still have a, a, a big stack left. I don't know if they just multiplied, if you guys took them, or maybe, maybe you guys didn't take them. I don't know. Uh, but, but I'm going to have them out in the Welcome Center uh, this time, so that way uh, you don't have to walk up front. But please take one, man. And, and just remember, you don't have to read long passages of time, just, just start out with a, a few verses, start out with just small chunks of scripture, and pray, God, just as I read this, open my mind and my heart. So being in the word, how else do we abstain? Well, we talked about this last week in our series, we said live in community. Being here on Sunday morning and encouraging one another, stirring one another on to good, to good works and good deeds, right? We, we, we come and we're encouraged, and then we, we live together in community. We have small groups. You heard testimonies last week about people who talked about their lives being changed through small groups and how, uh, man, listen, we all have blind spots in our life. We all have areas in our life that we just don't see. And when you live in a community, it exposes those blind spots. And so th- those are essentially what we offer here at Chester Christian Church. Why, this is our process. This is how you are going to grow spiritually. And we need to be persistent. We need to stay the course. We need to encourage each other. We need to be in the word. We need to live in community. And when we do those things, we'll be able to abstain from the passions of the flesh. And we'll be able to make much of Jesus. Amen? Are y'all fired up, man? I feel like I, feel like I just keep going here. Right? I'll stop. I'll stop. Listen, we're gonna, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And the band's going to come up. And every single week, we give you guys an opportunity to, to come and be encouraged, and we'll have the prayer team. Uh, some prayer team members will be up here, um, and some will be in the back. Um, please, if you are struggling today, if you're going through a difficult time, 
and you need encouragement, please step out and, and, and have prayer, get prayer. Um, I'll be up here if you'd like to know um, more about what it means to be called out of darkness and into light. I'd love to share that with you and talk to you about that. So let's pray together, and the band will come up, and we'll sing, and uh, we'll do this, okay? Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for just how your, your word, God, is, is precious. And as we look at scriptures like this, God, we thank you for um, just how you instruct us and how you encourage us and show us, God, that we are, we are your chosen race. We are a royal priesthood. God, that's our identity. That's who we are. So, Father, I just thank you for that. And, God, I pray that as we, um, as we let that soak in our minds, God, that that, that would just... That would just um, that our that our activity would just flow from who we are. God, may we be encouraged this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you guys stand with us? Prayer team, come on up. Thank you.